Welcome to the Irish Legislation Podcast with me, Barry Ward, a podcast looking at legislation as it passes through Oireachtas Air in our National Parliament. You're very welcome to the eighth episode of the Irish Legislation Podcast with me, Barry Ward. And today we're going to be talking about a private member's bill that is very topical, uh, given that today is um, an International Day Against Violence Against Women. And it's the Harassment, Harmful Communication and Related Offences Bill 2017, which is a private member's bill from Labour Deputy Brendan Howland of Wexford. And Brendan has very kindly agreed to speak to us about the bill today. Brendan, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Barry, for the invitation. It's my pleasure. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is a really important bill, and it's something that um, he, it covers a lot of material that most people probably thought was already against the law, but there's a bit of a gap in the law so far. Would you agree with that? I think there's more than a bit of a gap. Um, this is an area that really hasn't been uh, properly addressed in a very long time. Um, we look at public spaces, whether our parks or our roads or our streets, and we assume people are protected uh, against harm in those places and we have very strict laws. But the new public space that most of us inhabit and unfortunately during COVID probably inhabit more than we ever did before is the online space. And it is for many places or many people, uh, it's like the Wild West, it is unregulated. And terrible harm has been done to people and continues to be done to people. Uh, a lot of it is invisible. And many people have asked me in relation to this particular piece of legislation, which I published in 2017 and which has already passed second stage in the, in the previous doll, um, why we haven't acted earlier on this. And I think part of the reason is that a lot of the terrible harm is not visible. As I say, if you're assaulted on the street, people see it and it, it seems to be commented upon. But the issues that I've tried to deal with uh, in this particular piece of legislation uh, are often um, injuries that are suffered by people in the privacy uh, of their own homes, sometimes in their, you know, in their own bedrooms. Uh, and it is really unseen by many people. I am very grateful for the number of people who have come forward to tell their own personal testimony. And one of the things we've learned, certainly I think as legislators in the last number of years is the most compelling testimony is somebody's own story. And uh, I have listened to people like Jackie Fox, who told the story of her daughter, Nicole, who was driven to suicide because of online harassment. Uh, and there are many Nicoles across the world, and um, certainly many in our own uh, in our own country, uh, who need the protection of the law. So I'm delighted now that I think there is an absolute consensus that this needs to be done. Needs does, to be done yeah. soon. We had statements on this issue in the Shannon yesterday. We're recording today, uh, Wednesday, the 25th of November. But many people mentioned your bill in the course of that. Helen McEntee, the Minister for Justice, was there for those statements. And I understand that she has indicated that this is a bill that the government will be supporting as well. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Shortly after um, Helen McEntee was made Minister for Justice, I asked to see her. And um, it's one of the few face-to-face -face meetings we've been able to have um, in, the, in the current climate. Uh, and I asked that this would be prioritised because it was a commitment I made to a number of victims that I would try and get this yeah. done in this calendar year. And in fairness to the Minister for Justice, she said that she totally supported that. Now, as in everything, um, there is a Department of Justice a legislative style. Uh, so it has taken some time uh, for basically what I wanted to be achieved 
as, which I set out in my bill uh, to be translated into Department of Justice language, more or less saying the same thing, but in a different way. And uh, those amendments are now finalized. I met with the minister two weeks ago. Uh, and as you know, um, all the amendments will come before the Justice Committee on the 1st of December. And hopefully uh, we can have uh, the bill enacted in the time, set, time frame that we're both committed to, and that is in this calendar year. Mm-hmm. Um, can I just point out to listeners that may be able to hear the bells in the background <laughs> there? That's a photo, I think, called to the, the order the of business Shannon, yes. in the Shannon. We're recording this in Leicester House, so sorry for the disruption. Just while we're on kind of process, Brendan, obviously it's it's relatively unusual for, I mean, this is a not insubstantial bill. There's 15 mm-hmm. sections in it, but it does some some important and progressive things in legislation. It's relatively unusual for a private member to get a bill through the Oireachtas like this, um, particularly when there's a, there is a majority government rather than a minority government. Uh, you're obviously a very experienced member of the Oireachtas, um, long-time member for Wexford, but also obviously a former senior cabinet minister, former Labour leader. Um, how many times have you seen this kind of legislation getting the, the consent, if you like, or the assent of government the way this one has? Well, once upon a time, it would be unheard of. Um, the default position of every government for many decades was that it was impossible for somebody outside of government uh, to propose legislation that was capable of being enacted. Um, I think there's, there was a sea change in the last stall, um, brought about by the circumstance that the government itself uh, didn't have a majority in the doll, and therefore it had to be open uh, to ideas and proposals coming from the opposition. And that was a situation that was seized upon um, by the Oireachtas itself. I have long argued that there is an unacceptable imbalance uh, between the power of the executive and the power of parliament. You know, constitutionally and technically, it is the parliament that that legislates. In essence, what has happened for decades is that the government proposes legislation and by and large, the role of parliament is to comment upon government legislation and seek to amend it at the fringes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is a relatively new phenomenon for entire new pieces of legislation, particularly yeah. complicated ones, to come from the opposition. And we have established. It's, posi- it's a positive move, yeah. Yeah, and we have established in the Oireachtas now uh, a much more comprehensive support base for members to actually set about drafting legislation because it's, it, it, mm. it is, uh, it's not an easy process. Um, mm. it, it's like, you know, doctors' prescriptions often. Uh, they're designed, if you, if you like, to, um, uh, to protect the, the, the inner core of, of, of people who understand it. Uh, and I think we need to do two things. One, obviously, uh, provide the, the wherewithal to members of the Oireachtas to draft legislation wherever they sit in the in the Oireachtas. And secondly, uh, to, to work towards more plain English. And this was one of the discussions I had with the Minister for Justice in relation to this bill, that a lot of the amendments, uh, as you will see, that are being proposed by the department, basically make simple language more complex uh, and we should try as far as possible to avoid that so that any citizen can pick up a piece of legislation and be able to read it and more importantly to understand it. 
Yeah, I must say, I agree with you, with you on that point. And we had a discussion about this in the first episode when we were talking about the legislative process. Um, we also talked about the reintroduction of legislation. So as you mentioned, this bill was first put down by you in 2017. It went through um, first and second stage in the, do- in the last doyle. And so technically fell with the election earlier this year. Um, now we have a situation where it's been reinstated essentially at third stage or committee stage. Isn't that right? That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, and- uh, by agreement of the House, uh, the fact that it had already been debated and passed in the previous stall was accepted. So it uh, allowed me to propose that the bill be referred to committee directly. Uh, That's what happened. And the Justice Committee, uh, uh, thankfully, uh, and its uh, its chair, Deputy Lawless, have agreed to prioritise this bill. Uh, and all parties are determined that it would be enacted. And I've spoken to all parties. Everybody yeah. uh, is very supportive. Uh, and everybody will, I think you'll find very robust debate because everybody is bringing their own perspective uh, to the debate. I, I've said, because one of the things that I've been getting a lot of personal representations about is to expand the scope of the bill. And I can go through the bill with you in a, in a few minutes, if, if you like, it might mm. be helpful. Yeah, um, that'd be great. But... Um, a lot of people want me to bolt on other bits. And, and I, my argument right now is let's get the framework right. Let's get the foundations right. This will not be the final word in relation uh, to the regulation of on, online communication, harmful communication, the distribution of um, intimate images of people. This will not be the final word on that. But it'll be the first time where we have, I think, a comprehensive framework uh, which upon which uh, other pieces of legislation can hang in the future uh, as we learn more and we try to regulate more. And of course, a key issue, which certainly is beyond the scope of this particular bill, uh, will be the accountability of the platforms that allow this to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody said to me yesterday, I agree with them, you, you know, the, the communication companies, the platforms now uh, that we are dealing with today are the standard oil of our generation. They're almost the untouchables. Uh, and I think we do need um, probably beyond even Ireland, but on a, a, a trans-European level, uh, to regulate those platforms and give them uh, responsibility. Because yeah. this is this is a three-legged stool. You have the perpetrator and the victim, but then you have the facilitator, which is the online platform. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And of course, we had this conversation after the Justice Committee yesterday. Um, I raised this issue in the Shannon during statements yesterday. And one of the big issues, I think, is exactly that, that uh, yes, you have an individual involved in actively sharing material, but you have a facilitator in whichever social media or online platform it is. And one of the proposals I had was to create a copyright issue around that to empower the victim, if you like, the person who's the subject of the image, um, to, uh, I suppose, impose a copyright restriction on the platforms it's it's i suppose a more complex issue than can be dealt with in this bill but um one of the things that you do talk about is the distribution of intimate images i think Mm -hmm. is in section four and that's obviously also very timely we had we had the terrible news from last week that uh, i think six thousand intimate images of individuals in ireland were dumped onto the internet this bill would tackle exactly that kind of behavior wouldn't it yeah um you're right section four of the bill deals with the a new offense that i propose which is the offense of distributing an intimate image without consent 
uh, what is sometimes referred to as revenge porn, although it's sometimes not necessarily um, by a former intimate partner that does that. Uh, but that well, is often um, no basis for there to be revenge involved either. It's just uh, a, a, that, that, yeah. that's exactly mm. it. It is just malice uh, and yeah. uh, 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 and something that is entirely acceptable. So this new offence. Uh, would mean that a person who, without lawful authority, uh, takes or distributes or publishes or even threatens to publish an intimate image of another person without consent, um, if his or her act interferes with the peace and privacy of another person or causes distress to that person or harm to that person, may be guilty of an offence. Uh, and I think that is important, that mm -hmm. uh, there should be a, a, a clear protection uh, for people from having intimate images of themselves distributed uh, all in sundry or to anybody uh, without their consent. Yeah, and I think, obviously, as I say, this week, that has all has, has been yeah. very real for people. Um, what I think is important as well is in, in section subsection four of that section, you make it, well, as it's described, a sexual offence for the purpose of the Sex Offenders Act 2001, which means that somebody convicted of this event would, would offence would be on the Sex Offenders Register. Isn't that right? Well, I think it is a sexual offence. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is. to 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 um, take intimate images of somebody and distribute them is a sexual violation of an individual, in my judgment. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think that it is it is something in in serious cases where the courts determine um, something that is merits being put on the sex offenders um, register. And I think that would be a very a significant um, protection for people, uh, and I hope a disincentive for people to um, uh, to commit that particular offence. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, do you want to take us through some of the other sure. measures through the bill? In essence, as I say, the bill uh, looks at uh, how we regulate um, the online world, and initially we have to define what communications are. And I come from the from the view that we take the broadest possible definition of what communication uh, means. Uh, it, not only the spoken word, um, but in terms of modern communications, the communication of information that is generated, processed, transmitted, received, recorded, stored, or displayed by electronic uh, means or in electronic form would all be encompassed by this bill. So I hope that not only does it meet the needs of now, but it is future-proof that it is um, an all-encompassing definition. And then we go on to... Uh, the issue of harassment online, it is really, and I've had so many personal testimonies presented to me in relation to the harm that online bullying, online harassment does. The offensive harassment that we have on the statute book, uh, as you know, is the Non-Fatal Offences Against the, the Person Act of 1997. So what I'm proposing here is a new version of that, that a person who intentionally or recklessly um, persistently harms somebody online, uh, persistently communicates with another person, and is guilty of uh, causing damage to the peace and privacy of a victim and causes them distress or harm, uh, would be um, committing an offence. Mm -hmm. And there would be, you know, depending on the severity of that offence, um, punishments, either up to 12 months imprisonment or in the most grievous cases, and I've literally cases where people are driven to suicide because of the most vile and awful things 
been said about people uh, uh, to you know a large audience that uh, there there could be um, imprisonment up to seven years in those most grievous yeah. cases. Then we go on to the issue of stalking online. Uh, again, can, can I ask you just sir, before we move on to that? I mean, one of the things that in the last few days, because of the fact that these this kind of offence is in the news, one thing I've heard from a lot, particularly female parliamentary colleagues, is just how much of this stuff they have to put up with. And I think mm. sometimes people aren't aware of how much uh, a TD or a senator is subjected to online. Um, but equally, their staff. Um, you and I were talking to a colleague yesterday who was saying that her staff, who are, are young people, have to contend with an awful lot of abusive and indecent material being sent into her office. Um, and I see in, in subsection two of section three, which is the harassment section, mm. you have created both a summary offence, so you know yeah. where it's low level, it's there, but also that indictable offence and carrying up to seven years. And as you say, and these cases were mentioned in the Shannon yesterday as well, where people are driven to suicide. I mean, there, it's, it's almost difficult, unless you've been the subject of this, to understand just how pervasive this kind of behaviour can be towards people, isn't it? Well, it, it, it literally is ruining people, destroying people. Um, it is more damaging in some instances than a mere physical assault. I mean, a physical assault you can recover from, but the emotional, psychological damage been done by some of the awfulness that goes on online is something that people in, in some circumstances never recover from. But you make an important point, and I just want to lay this out for your listeners, in terms of members of the Oireachtas receiving um, really dreadful um, harassment sometimes and, and messaging online. Um, you can only imagine, uh, certainly from my time in government, what, what came online. But there is a difference in the type of abuse, in my judgment now, and I'd be interested in your perspective on this, uh, between male and female members of the Oireachtas. And I'll give you a point uh, just to, to focus on. Uh, last week, uh, a Labour Party senator, Annie Hoy, and I issued virtually identical um, uh, pieces online, um, basically setting out this bill, why it's needed, and so on. She got the most vile of response mm. online. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, and it, 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 is, it made me think, to be honest with you, that certainly for young females, uh, there, there's a category of people out there who feel that it is okay or acceptable in some bizarre world for the most vile and awful things to be said. Uh, that just has to be um, faced down and we have to do something about it. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think we all get a little bit of it, um, but I think that the tenor of abuse that female colleagues get is quite different from those that male colleagues get. It's usually much more personal. It's targeted at how they look or what they've said in a much more, um, much. I don't know how to describe it, but it's definitely a different kind of tenor of abuse than, than we get. And again, that's something I've only realized in, in the last couple of years, uh, speaking to colleagues, is just how different uh, it is. Is and there is a view uh, sometimes that you know you're in public life, therefore you should have a thick skin and you should be able to get mm. over it. But you mentioned Senator Annie Hoey, and she gave a very compelling um, speech during the statements yesterday in the channel in which she talked about this and she talked about how she has been a victim. And um, and she's certainly not the first Labour senator because I know again a friend and colleague in the last channel who, who suffered similarly from stalking and, yeah. and harassment. And it, so much of this goes under the wire. 
people are unaware of it and people are unaware of how damaging it is until that person has the courage to come out and say that it's happening and then they run the risk of being painted as somebody who isn't able for it when nobody is a should have to be able for this and nobody should have to put up with it so but you're quite right i think there is a huge difference between what we as men have to suffer, and I'm sorry that we don't have women on the call, but uh, as I, I said, there is a, a particular webinar on today that has drawn away a lot of the contributors we had, had hoped to join us today. But um, there is a, definitely a difference between what we have to put up with as men, um, both in volume and tenor, compared to what uh, women have to put up with who are in exactly the same roles. We, see, um, we, and you, we, we pay lip service to the notion we want more women involved in politics, mm. but we then expect anybody... Uh, to have to put up with that. Um, you know, we all go out and try and talk to women to be involved, but when they see what they're exposing themselves to, that's just not acceptable. We have to ensure that people can engage in public discourse, can be involved in public representation without having to face that, whether Absolutely. it's at a local level or a national level. And I think it's a, it's a very serious matter we're going to have to address and solve if we're going to have a 50-50 parliament uh, in terms of gender and a 50-50 public representative base across uh, all areas of public representation. Yeah, absolutely. And and it won't change until we do address it. So it's important to have a piece of legislation like this. The other side of that harassment coin, I think you mentioned already, is stalking. And I think the bill yeah. deals with that as well. Yeah. The, the the third element of it is is the issue of, of stalking and so that in this case if a defendant acts uh, interfere with the victim's peace and privacy or cause a victim alarm distress or harm uh, the court may take that into account as an aggravating factor in terms of harassment um, because some people as you know and we've seen obviously high profile um, cases of it uh, from media personalities across the water. Um, where somebody just becomes fixated with an individual and uh, are constantly harassing them online, uh, constantly making comments about them, uh, and people have to be protected uh, uh, from that as well. So that is a section of the bill. And then we go on to the the fourth section, which is that we've touched upon because it is so, uh, I suppose, current in people's focus, and that is the, the area of creating a new offence of distributing an intimate image without consent, uh, which um, is, is really important because um, I'm amazed um, at the volume of uh, of this. I, I wasn't aware of it until, you know, really I, I was traveling with this piece of legislation. It is very widespread uh, where people can have intimate images of themselves distributed uh, to do deliberately to cause harm and offence and to to upset people, uh, and that, that has to be addressed too. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that, that came up when I was speaking to um, um, a party colleague of mine was that she was making the point that in the in the bill there is the requirement in order, I suppose, for the some of these offences to be brought home that harm was caused or that mm. uh, upset was caused to the, the person who is being either harassed or stalked or about whom an image is being uh, circulated. And the point she was making was that in many ways it's not it shouldn't be up to her to admit that she has been upset by this. The mere fact of doing it where it's clearly calculated to cause that effect should should ground the offence. What do you say to that? I think it's a reasonable point. Um, 
Uh, normally, when we're, you know, in, in normal legislation, if you look at um, uh, harm being done to an individual, uh, like the personal, uh, the non-fatal offences against the person act, it is on the basis that there is a, an actual consequence of harm uh, that is uh, is measured. Yeah. Um, if I suppose if, for example, an intimate image is distributed uh, and the person whose image is distributed um, is okay with it, um, I don't know whether I have an open mind on that, but uh, if, if, if they, they actually say, well, no harm is caused to me, I'm, I'm, I'm content with that, whether that should be an offence or not is something that I think we probably will have to tease out. Yeah. Um, the, another aspect of the bill I, I wouldn't mind just going through with you is, is Section 11, the protection of privacy. Um, and this, I think, would allow a situation where a person who does make a complaint and may ultimately el- end up going before the courts as a witness or in the complainant, um, that their privacy or rather their identity is protected from reporting. Um, that's obviously an important provision to you. Is that likely to survive the passage of the bill through the Oireachtas? Yes, indeed. Uh, in fact, the Minister has redrafted a new Section 6 providing for anonymity of victims of offence that is uh, victims under offences created under Section 4 and 5 of the bill. Uh, so the, the um, the area of being victimized by having your uh, intimate images distributed uh, and uh, the issue of prohibited messages. But I think it's important that um, the whole area of um, victims' anonymity be protected because I think it would be a very, very big inhibitor of people making complaints if they felt that not alone was their image distributed to people, but an even broader circulation would be aware of it if they have to go to court. And we protect rape victims um, for very good reason uh, in the same way. And I, I, I'm proposing, and the minister is, is strongly agreeing, that the anonymity of victims of offences under these sections uh, would be protected. Uh, I do have... Um, uh, a point of contention with the minister. Um, it hasn't come out yet uh, because I, uh, she hasn't agreed, although she, she said she'd reflect further on it uh, in relation to the uh, anonymity of victims in terms of harassment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, again, uh, the the crime harassment uh, can cause such harm that it would be an inhibitor for people uh, to stand up, have their name, uh, if you like, uh, in the in the public uh, discourse of being the victim of harassment. Uh, it, it's something I, I, I still would cling to uh, protection of the anonymity of those victims, but it'll be uh, a matter for us to tease out in committee, and I, I look forward to hearing uh, the minister's views on that. And yeah, the other I area... Suppose... Sorry, if, if, sorry. Uh, the other area, yeah. just in terms of... Uh, if you like, um, disagreement, I don't want to put it any stronger than that, just a different perspective um, between the minister and, and myself in terms of the amendments, because there are very few. She's accepted uh, the entire thrust of the bill, and uh, I'm very grateful for that. But I proposed a civil restraint uh, in terms, uh, like a like a barring order, uh, mm. against people who persistently have caused harm by way of communication, that they would be uh, there'd be a civil order to prohibit um, communication um, from that person to the victim. Um, I think the minister's view. 13. Yeah, the minister's view is that um, this is a criminal 
um, justice bill and therefore a civil remedy is not appropriate there, but I hope to persuade her of that. Right. And, and as you say, that's going before the Justice Committee uh, next week, the 1st yes. of December. Is it anticipated it'll be dealt with on the 1st of December completely or it, it'll take longer than that? Well, as you know, under the COVID restrictions now, we're uh, confined two hours in a committee at a time. Mm. Um, we have booked the following week, the 8th as well, uh, yeah. to complete it. So I, I imagine it will take two two-hour sessions uh, to, yes. to complete it all. That'll be my my judgment on it. But we'll include a link that'll be available on the web, the Arctis website, and people will be able to watch those proceedings in the Justice Committee. We'll include a link under the podcast here so people can click in and follow oh, that. That'd be great. That'd be great uh, indeed. Tuesday the 1st, isn't it, I think, of, of December? Yes, it is. Next Tuesday the 1st of December yes. uh, in in the afternoon at four o'clock. Yes. Yeah, great. Well, listen, uh, Brenda, congratulations on a, a very important piece of legislation. It is, I suppose, many people would say a shame that it has taken until now for it to, to be making serious progress, given that you first put it forward three years ago. But congratulations, and thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us and explain to us uh, about the various provisions of the bill. Thank you, Barry, for affording me the opportunity. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Irish Legislation Podcast with me, Barry Ward. You can get me on Twitter at Barry M. Ward. Don't forget to subscribe and you won't miss any of the episodes as they come up on a weekly basis while the Oireachtas is sitting.